James chapter 4, reading from verses 13 through 17 in the precious, authentic, inerrant, and sufficient word of God reads. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. And all such boasting is evil, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. You may be seated. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. Today we want to tag this text, How to Plan Your Life. How to plan your life. One day there was a man who was a retired architect and he began to draft a blueprint of the house that he wanted him and his wife to live in in a couple of years. And after drafting this wonderful blueprint, he went and he found the construction company that he thought was apt or able to carry out these plans. He met with them time and time again and showed them this blueprint. The main construction worker who was overseeing the project looked at him and said, we will make sure that we give you a place that is satisfactory to you. As the man left, this this construction team began to talk, and they said, you know, this is a wonderful blueprint, but I think we could do better. I think that we could give him something that would just completely surprise him and and completely leave him at all. So they came up with another blueprint, another plan. Months passed, and the man finally gave him a call and said, how is my house coming? They said, just fine. Why don't you come over and take a look at it? In the midst of the construction, the owner, the one who wrote the blueprint, came and he looked at the structure and he said, this is not the blueprint that I gave you. This is not following the plan that I set in order for you. What are you doing? And the workers looked at him and said, we know the plan you gave us. But we thought that this plan would work out better, not only for you, but it would be funner for us to build. Not only did that man fire that construction company, but he also sued that construction company because he gave exact orders, and a very thorough blueprint to them. You know, God is the ultimate architect. He's the ultimate architecture. He is the ultimate builder. He's the ultimate orchestrator. He is the ultimate planner. And God has spoken to us through his word, and he has told each and every one of us what his plan is. He has given each and every one of us a wonderful blueprint and he has told us to follow it. But like that construction company, many of us 
And we all at some time or another have been there. We have decided that it is easier, better, funner, and more satisfactory if we build it our own way. And when we do that, we miss the will of God. We miss the heart of God. We miss the the desire that God has for our lives. And we become the owners of the structure that we built. God wants us to be consumed with his blueprint for our lives. God wants us to be consumed with the structure that he has intended for our lives as a bride is consumed with her wedding plans and her big day. So must we be consumed with the will of God, the will of God, living And God's will means being in a place in our relationship with God where God is pleased because we are living in line with his plan and his purpose for our lives and for all creation. And the question that I want to ask you today is, are you living in God's will? Are you allowing God's plan for your life to to manifest? Are you being consumed with what he wants for you? Because what he wants for you and for what he wants for me, it is for our best and his glory. You know, somebody here today is saying, well, I want to live in God's will. I want to follow his plan. But I I don't know God's will. I don't know God's plan. I wake up every morning and I ask myself, Lord, what do you want me to do? Why do you have me here? If God would just come out and and just tell me, I'll be all right. I'll be able to live for his purpose and and for his glory. But, But I'm just confused. I just don't know what his will for my life is. Well, I'm going to give you God's will for your life. Three things that the scripture constantly talks about as his Revealed will for your life. Here's God's revealed will for every single person's life whom he has called to serve. And the first thing is that that person would be saved. God's will for every single person to whom he has called for his glory is, is that they would be saved. Second Timothy chapter 2 and 4 says God's will is that all men would be saved and come into the knowledge of truth. God's will for your life is that you'll be saved. The second thing is that God's will is is that you would be spirit-led, that you would have spirit-led living. We read in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So Paul said, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, Paul, what is the will of the Lord? He continues and says, and do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery or depravity. It's sin. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. God's will for every single person in this room's uh, life is that you will be saved, that you will come to know Christ as your Savior, that you will be satisfied in him. And the second thing is that you would live according to his spirit, according to his plan. Now, notice he says, do not be filled with wine. Uh, 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 And basically what he's saying there is that God, uh, uh, when he saves us, he does not want us to find our feeling, our hope in something temporary. 
Uh, we can take wine out and put something else in there. Do not be filled. Do not be consumed with your boo. Uh, do not be consumed with your job. Do not be consumed with uh, uh, an idea or a, 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 a plan for your own life that you've put together, but rather be filled, be consumed with God's spirit. And when we are consumed with God's spirit, when we are filled with his spirit, we will live according to his plan. God wants us to be saved. God wants us to live a spirit led life and God wants us to be sanctified, to live as set apart, to partner with him and looking more like Christ, to allow him to conform us to his image. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 says, this is the will of the Lord. Paul, what is the will of the Lord? Your sanctification. Your sanctification. You say, now, Pastor Jamal, I thought you was going to give me a plan for my life. I thought you was going to tell me that I need to do this. I need to reapply to this school that, that I need to do this. I thought you was going to give me uh, some, some sign in the sky that I could follow this star and it'll lead me to the place. Well, God has given us something even more greater, even more fantastic. He's given us a venture. He's told us that if we are saved, if we are set aside for Christ's use, if we are spirit-led, if we are allowing the Holy Spirit to, to cleanse us and to purify us, and if we are waging war on our sin, and if we are doing our best to get in his word, he's saying that I will take care of the day-to-day -day activities because you will be walking right in line with me. You will be in tune with the Spirit. Now, the thing that we have to understand about God's plan and God's will is, is that God does not reveal his plan to us specifically for our lives uh, all at the same time. He just doesn't work like that. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. Being a Christian means that we are living and walking the faith walk. Uh, in fact, if God was to tell you exactly what was going to happen in your life, at the end of your life, and in between your life, most of us wouldn't be able to handle it. Huh? Am I right about it? If God was to say, here is exactly what you're going to do, here's exactly what's going to happen next, here's exactly how you're going to speak, and here's exactly how you're going to pass. Man, we, some of us wouldn't leave the house. Or we'll be so depressed, we'll be like, man, this is not what I wanted for my life. This is not what I, how did I end up in this state, Lord? <laughs> but God knows what's best. See, life is like a parade in some sense. And we're just afloat in that parade. And we're just going step by step. And we can just see one uh, group of people after another and one activity after another. But God has a blimp vision of life. He sees the beginning of the parade all the way to the end of the parade. And he tells us that if we are his and if we are living according to his spirit and allow his spirit to do his work, that we will make it to the end of the parade. And we'll make it there just fine. If you and if I, if we, live and walk according to the spirit, we will be in God's will. It doesn't mean that we will do, no one is able to follow it, perfect, God's will perfectly. 
for we're sinners, we're fallen human beings, but if we are consuming ourselves with God, if we are finding satisfaction in God and not a needle, if we're finding satisfaction in God and not a temporary pleasure, if our true satisfaction is in him, we will be right where he wants us. Now, being where God wants us does not mean that we will not suffer. It does not mean that we will not have trials. It does not mean that we will have tribulations. It does not mean that we will never be depressed or be down. Have you read the Psalms? Have you read the Psalms? Have you read the Bible? People who are in God's will are often put in difficult situations. They're often put in situations that are trying. Jesus on his sermon on the mount, he uh, does a fantastic sermon, of course, the greatest sermon ever. Uh, we see that he has a crowd captivated. He's showing them how he came to fulfill the law. And he's just teaching us how to live and what a true Christian looks like. And he closes the sermon by giving an illustration. He says, look, there were two men who built uh, two separate houses. One built his house on a rock. And the other built his house on sand. He says, and when the rain came and, and the flood came, and the winds blew. He said, the man who built his house on a rock, his house stood. But for the other gentlemen, when the rain fell, and when the floods came, and when the winds blew, the one who built his house on sand, the Bible says, Jesus said that his house was destroyed. It was washed away. Now notice what Jesus did. He just said, the one who's building his house on the rock, the one who is planting his life on him, on the sure foundation, the rock of our salvation. He says that the rain came, the floods came, and the wind came, just as it did for the one who was building his house on the sand. Being in the will of God does not mean that a flood won't come, but being in the will of God means that when the flood comes, you don't lose your mind. It means that when trouble comes, you have a fixed point. It means that when trials and tribulations come, you can bust out like David and say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. You can praise him in the midst of the storm. So the question that we have to ask ourselves today is are we living according to God's will? Are we consumed with his will or are we consumed with our own? Are we consumed with our own plans? Are we consumed with our own plans? Let's look at James chapter verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. James here is dealing with some businessmen and he's now addressing this congregation that's, that's dispersed. He's saying to these Jews who were now in a very lucrative position as trade was at its height and, and because of their location, they were often having great trade business. And he asked them a question. He, he's, he's really challenging them, them here to not live according to their business plan, but to live according to the will of God. He's challenging them here to, to, to live according to God's plan for their life. He's noticing that around his church, around his congregation, there is some talk going, uh, going about. These businessmen are talking about their plans, and look how they're talking about their plans. They're, they're talking about their plans in such a way that it does not involve God. James is not getting on them for not planning. They say if you plan, uh, if you fail to plan, you fail. Amen. 
If we do not plan, then our plans will fail. So he's not saying that we shouldn't plan and that we shouldn't sit down and try to work out our future and look at our future, but rather he's saying that when we do, God needs to be the one who is consuming our plans. We need to make sure that we are approaching our plans with all humility. Listen to what they're saying. The first thing that they're doing is they are describing their time of departure. Come now, he says, listen up. A colloquium that's only used here in the New Testament. You who say today or tomorrow we will. They're deciding their time of departure without any humility. We will go into such and such a town. They're deciding their location without any humility. And spend a year there and trade. They're deciding the duration of their trips without any humility, without asking God, and we will make a profit. The bottom line, what they were most consumed about in their lives was this profit. What they would get, and James is confused. He's saying, wait a minute. You're planning your life without checking with God's plan for your life. He says, wait a minute. Come now, listen to me, you who say that you are Christians. Listen to me, you who say that you have been redeemed. Listen to me, you who say that you are Christ. How are we going about our day-to-day routine as if he is a part of our lives? The will of God should not be a part of our lives. The will of God should be our lives. Jesus in John chapter 4 is talking to the woman at the well of Sakar, and as he's talking to her, uh, his disciples have left to find food, and he has a wonderful conversation, which, which it seems that it leads to her salvation, and it leads to her being able to witness to a community. And while the disciples are gone, they come back, and they find Jesus just chilling on a well. And they said, Rabbi, here's some food for you to eat. And Jesus says, oh, I, I've already had uh, uh, the food that I have you don't know anything about. And the Bible says the disciples looked at each other and said, wait a minute, has he went and got something else while we were gone? And Jesus said, my food, my food is the will of my father. He says, my substance, what what keeps me going is being in tune with the father. Jesus said, listen, it's not time for me to have physical food right now. It's time for me to pray. It's time for me to meditate because I know a group of people are on their way back and I am consumed right now with what God wants to do in their lives. And being a Christian means that we are being consumed by the plan of God, by the will of God, by what God is doing about where God is at work. It means that we say, Lord, this is what I would like to do. Lord, I would like to come to Louisville and to go to the Southern Baptist Theological Center. I would like to graduate in three years. I would like to move back to Chicago to be close with family and and to possibly work at a school and pastor there. But Lord, wherever you tell me to go, that's where I'm going to go because I want to be consumed with your will. 
Lord, I, I, want, I want to have a, a career as a lawyer. I want to have a career as a doctor. I want to open up my firm, and I, I want to have a lucrative business. But, but Lord, if, if this is not what you want for my life, just, just guide my footsteps. Just, just guide my walk in order that I will please you. Lord, I, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a nurse. Lord, I want to have a good job so I can put food on the table. Lord, I want to live this way. But don't forget. Don't forget that our plans must come under his plan. Our will is to be under subjection of his will. His will. These congregants were living as atheists. Completely ignoring God's plan. We see here that anytime we ignore God in our planning, anytime we ignore God with our future, that to God we become practical atheists. William Henley wrote a wonderful poem called Invictus. It's wonderful because it shows the depravity of, the, of, of man's heart. In 1903, he penned these words, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll, I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul. It matters not how straight the gate, it matters not how charged with punishment the scroll, I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul. William Henley was known for knowing and often citing scripture in his poems. But what set him apart many times was his utter defiance of scripture. He said, I know what the Bible says. I know what God's plan is. I know that God desires me to pray without ceasing. I know that God desires to be the Lord, the sole ruler of my life. But I'm taking this approach. I'm the captain of my ship. I'm the captain of my a young person who starting to think about college, starting to think about their futures, starting to think about their, their major God is, is challenging you today to not plan it without seeking him. To not plan your life out without being in his presence and living in his presence. He's challenging us today to remind ourselves that we are not the captain of our soul. God wants our confidence to be in him and not in ourselves. Not in our intellect, not in our education, not in our abilities, but in him. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, we see King Asa has a decision to make as the king of Judah, Ben-Hadid, is building up a, a strong tower in the city of Ramah. In fact, this tower was going to look pretty much like the wall of Berlin. It was going to keep the people of Israel from migrating to, uh, to Judah. Judah was being blessed because of Asa's obedience unto God. In chapter 14, we see that Asa takes the reign from Abijah, and he comes in, and he throws down all the, the idols that's in Israel, and he picks up God's word and says, we're going to live by God's word. 
And then when trouble came, the Bible says that God gave him peace and gave Israel, uh, uh, Judah, victory over the Egyptians. The Egyptians had a way bigger arm, uh, army, a way bigger uh, manpower, more manpower than Asa and Judah. But the Bible says that Asa cried out to the Lord. He says, Lord, help us. What should I do? Help us to fight this war. And the Bible says that God came and he fought the battle for Israel, uh, for Judah, and he defeated, and they defeated the Egyptians. The Bible says that they took all of the spoils of the Egyptians. And we see that a prophet comes to Asa and says, as long as you walk in step with God, God will take care of you. But then we get over to, ver- to the 16th chapter in Asa's 36th reign, year of reign, and we see that Asa is put in a similar situation now with Israel as Israel is coming, uh, uh, as the king of Israel is pretty much waging war against Judah. And Asa, instead of going to the Lord, instead of crying out to God and saying, God, what do you want for me? What should we do? The Bible says that Asa sat down and he came up with a good plan. A good plan. It was a good plan. He said, listen, we're going to take some money. Unfortunately, he took the money of the Lord that was in the Lord's house, some gold and some silver. And he says, we're going to make an alliance with Syria and we're going to run Israel away. We're going to defeat Ben Haddad. And the Bible says his plan worked. It worked. It worked perfectly. They ran back up north. Israel, uh, Judah was victorious with Syria. But then we read that God sent the prophet, a seer, the Bible says. And the seer looked at Asa. And in essence says, fool, what are you doing? He told him, he says, listen, you, do you know God? Do you know what God would have done? He says, if you had sought the Lord, if you had given your plans to God, God would not have only allowed you to defeat Judah, but you would have defeated Syria as well. God would have gave you not only, I'm sorry, Israel's spoils, but you would have defeated the nations surrounding them. When we are not living as desperate Children, when we are not depending upon God, but are dependent upon our alliances and our allegiance to other people, when we are dependent upon our strength and our skills more than we are dependent upon our Father, we may see good things but we will not see great things. Saddest part of this story is that Asa then took the prophet, threw him in a stock, a place of torment, because the prophet stood up and told him that he was not the captain of his own ship. The prophet told him, Asa, listen to me, the job of the God, the, the, the job of the Lord, what the Lord does is he goes to and fro the earth, he says, seeking those whose heart is blameless in order to give them strong support. He says that's God's job. And Asa was arrogant, ignored him. And the Bible says right after that that Asa, some years later, got sick, wasn't able to walk. And instead of Asa crying out to God, instead of Asa begging God to heal him before going to the physician, Asa went to the physician without talking to God. And God rebuked him, and his disease killed him. 
when we plan our lives according to what we want from life, rather than according to what God has for our lives, good things may happen, but great things will cease. We serve a great God who is in the business of doing great things with small people. We serve a God who has called men and women to serve him and to, to save people from their pitiful situations with absolutely little to no talent, but with faith in him. And we've seen them do great things. Will you allow God to do great things? Not to allow God's plans to become your plan is foolish. And it's foolish because of two reasons. Look at what James says here. Verse 14. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. James says it's foolish for us to plan our lives without being in the will of God because life is complex. Life is complex. He says you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. When we think about all that goes into making a day a good day, it should humble us. A lot of times we take things for granted. Because we know how to drive a car, we get in the car many times without ever thinking about God and about how God really is the one who is going to orchestrate us getting from point A to point B. But while we're in the car, may we remind ourselves, yes, we may have our driver's license. Yes, we may have went to school and and passed and got a good grade on parallel parking. But no, we cannot control the person who's next to us. We cannot control uh, if or whether or not a person is going to be sober while they're on the road. We cannot control if a little kid is going to walk in front of our car. We cannot control these things. James says life is too complex for us to be pursuing our own goals without walking in God's will. They say if you take 10 pennies and you mark each penny from 1 to 10 and you put them in your pocket, if you used to take one penny out and put it down with the intention of it being enough, coming out being the, the penny that you marked with a 1, you have a 1 in 10 chance of success. I have a one in 10 chance of me reaching my hand into my pocket and pulling out a penny that has a number one. And if I was to take that penny and put it back into my pocket with the goal of pulling back out the number one and then the number two, I have a, a one in a hundred chance of doing that. If I was to do the same process but try to pull out number one, two, and three, I have a one in 1,000 chance of that happening. If I was to do that and try to pull out one, two, three, and four success, uh, successfully, I'll have a, a one in a hundred thousand chance of that happening, so forth, and it keeps going. Well, if you do that all the way up to number 10, you have a one in a billion chance of reaching into your pocket and pulling out the 10 pennies successfully from one to 10, a one in a billion chance. Now, if I cannot control 10 pennies in my pocket, What makes me think that I can control my life? A life that goes up and down. A life that has all types of people and personalities. James says not only is life complex, but life is fragile. Life is fragile. He says you're going about planning life as if you're not frail, as if life is not fragile. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. 
He says it, it vanishes. He says, how are you guys going about planning your lives as if the will of God does not exist, as if he has not given you a blueprint, and you are so fragile. You know, Febreze really came in handy when I was single and in college. <laughs> when I was living in college, I didn't like doing laundry. And those bags would stack up. In fact, I was so bad at doing laundry until often I would just go buy new clothes because I didn't feel like doing laundry. But there was times where I, I didn't have the money to go buy a new set of <laughs> undergarments. <laughs> Amen. So, you know, you have to become creative. If there was a shirt that I wanted that was dirty, I would have to pull it out the laundry bag and or take it from the closet, you know, I was smelling it, eh. but I had that Febreze. <laughs> Febreze worked miracles. What do you wash your clothes in? You smell so fresh. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that Febreze would quickly wear off. <laughs> if you have a long day, you better keep it with you. Because about midday, that true order was show. <laughs> but think about that for breezes. When you pushed it, a little mist came out. It caught onto the clothes and then it disappeared. And we've got to see our lives as being like that for breeze. We're not immortal. We're not going to be here forever. Oh, Pastor Jamal, I'll serve the Lord. I'll come to the Lord. I'll become serious about God when I become 30. I'll become serious about the Lord when I, I become 45. I've got time. No, do you? Our lives is but a wave in the ocean. Our lives is but a mist. It's but a, a spray of Febreze. We won't be here forever. When we live our lives in light of our plan or in light of God's plan. David said in Psalm 102 verse 3, For my days pass away like smoke and my bones burn like a furnace. My days pass away like smoke. As we look at this text, we see that James tells us the attitude that we ought to have. Verse 15, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or that. Now, he's not giving them a, a statement that he wants them to say every time they walk out the door or to say every time they're getting ready to do something. He's not giving them a legalistic uh, law here. He's not saying that every time we do something, we have to say Lord willing. But what he's saying is that should be our attitude. Our attitude in planning our days, our attitude in planning our lives, our attitude in living should be if the Lord wills, if the Lord allows, if it's according to his plan, I will do this or I will do that. He's telling us that we need to be consumed with God's work as a bride is consumed with planning her wedding. We should look forward to the coming of Jesus as if as, as a bride looks forward to the coming of that big day. 
saying that we should live with a humble attitude, realizing that we are not the captain of our ships. We are not our own gods. Whatever happens, it will truly be up to the Lord. That's what the three Hebrew boys, that's the attitude that they had as they were about to be thrown in the furnace. As King Nebuchadnezzar said, you need to bow when the music plays to me or you'll be thrown in the fiery furnace and, and they refused to bow to the king's mandate, to the king's order. And as they stood before Nebuchadnezzar, he told him, he says, do you understand what's about to happen? They said, we will not bow. He said, we know that God is able to save us. We know, Lord willing, that he can come through. But even if he doesn't, we won't bow. Even if he doesn't, we won't budge. Even if he doesn't deliver me from this illness, I won't stop trusting him. Even if he doesn't allow me to live and and have kids and and have a house with a, a picket fence, it won't bother me because we are consumed with God's plan and God's purpose. God is the ultimate planner. Do you have a Lord willing attitude? When you wake up in the morning as you're preparing your day, are you allowing your mind and your plans to be fixed upon the fact that God could call you to do something radically different than he called you to do the next day? Are you living with a Lord willing attitude? Do we plan our week saying that this week, this is the amount of time I'm going to give to Lord Sunday morning? from 11 to 12.45, and if it's 1, I'm going to have to sneak out early. Are you living with a, a Lord willing attitude, an attitude that says, Lord, I'm walking according to your spirit and your plan? Do you shut God off, say, well, I don't do Wednesdays. It's not in my plan. Oh, Pastor Jamal, I hear that you have a, a special group coming from Mount Tabor, but Wednesdays is law and order night. I don't do it. Pastor Jamal, I know that you all are going out in the community and you're sharing your faith with people who are lost and who are headed to hell, who will be separated from God for all eternity. But, but Pastor Jamal, Saturdays is my day to get my hair and nails done. My barber will show miss me at 10 o'clock. Is your life Owned by you? Or is it owned by God? This is the year of courage God told this house. Our life's complexity, our frailty, Lord willing attitude. Verse 16, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. James says, look at you, look how you live and you're boasting about tomorrow, tomorrow and you're arrogant. The interesting thing about this word boasting in Greek is, is that normally when it's used, it's speaking of a, a charlatan. It's speaking of someone who stands up in a public place and who promises to deliver miracles, but who knows that they cannot. They're standing up in public. They're, they're, they're a, a witch doctor and they're saying, listen, if you come and if you buy these spices, I will make all of your trouble go away. 
He's saying that when we boast about what we're going to do tomorrow, when we set our lives up according to our plan and our desires without truly seeking God, he's saying that we are making promises that we cannot fulfill. We are boasting in our arrogance, in our own assurity. And he says all such boasting is evil. All such boasting is is evil. It's satanic. It's human wisdom. It's caused by the restless one. It's put in motion by the one that we hate because he hates the one that we adore. He says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is a sin. He's saying for the one who has been called by God to be consumed with God's plan, to be consumed with what God has called us to do. For the one who has been called to live with a, a Lord-willing attitude and who does not, it is, it is a sin. Jonah, it's a sin. God has told you that life is about him and not about you. God has told you that he wants to save the Ninevites, Jonah. God has told you that you ought to go there. But God, I don't want to go there, so I'm going to head to Tarshish. I'm going ahead and I'm going to take a vacation. I need to get away. I can't be hearing from you, God. I, I know what I've planned for my life, and this isn't in the plans. I don't like them. They're lost. They're Gentiles, and I know that you'll save them. Jonah went down, stepped, went down to, to step on a, a ship, and he stepped down on board, and as he got on the ship, he, he went away from where God had sent him to do. And through a turn of God's sovereignty, we know that Jonah was thrown down into the sea. And a whale came and took him down into the depths of the sea. Anytime we are planning our lives not according to God's will, but according to our will, we are headed down. We will start thinking down and walking down and living down and and talking down. And even if we are looking to others as if we are living up and living the high life, it's just a matter of time before we come down. An interesting thing about a believer is that God will get out of you what he planned to get out of you. Jonah, you may go kicking and you may go screaming, but that, that big fish is going to vomit you up right where I wanted you in the first place. And we have to know if we're truly a child of God, we can try to go wayward. But God's going to get out of you what he wants out of you. The question is whether or not you're going to have joy during the process. The question is whether or not you're going to end up with some some unnecessary casualties. The question is whether or not you're going to put yourself in a situation to when the true one whom God has ordained for you comes, of whether or not you're going to have a a million baby mama dramas. The question is whether or not you're going to be able to, to have peace. God gets out of us what he wants to get out of us. The question is, is will we enjoy it or not? One day we will all stand before God and we will be held accountable for what we have done. We will stand before our precious Lord as believers and we will weep and we will cry with excitement. We will be thankful and we will sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We will rejoice and we will smile and And we will be full of joy 
But may we remember on that day that as God approaches us, as the book is open and as his spirit sovereignly speaks to all of our hearts, and as he miraculously hands down gifts according to our obedience, and whether or not we sought to live his plan, may we remember that for some of us, we will not receive the rewards that we had necessarily hoped for because we were not faithful with the gift that he gave us. The day of judgment will be a day where rewards will be given out. The day of judgment will be a day where we will have a, a time in which we stand before God and God says, good and faithful servant, well done. He may even just say, good servant, faithful servant, you did all right. But I want him to say, well done. I want him to look at my life and say, you have been faithful over a few things. <laughs> I'll make you ruler over many. I don't want to hear the Lord say, you know, sometimes we say, I just want to be a gatekeeper in the house of the Lord. As long as I'm on the edge, I don't need a big mansion, just give me a house. You don't think that way now. What makes you think you're going to think that way in eternity? I don't want to be looking at the, the ministers and brothers around me and, and seeing God pleased with, with their faithfulness and them, their humility. And, and God said, hey, you did all right, son. You could have did better. Here's a ruby. I want to live my life in light of that coming day. And I want to live my life according to God's blueprint. I don't want to put my trust in my own abilities. I don't want to put my trust in, in, in my own education, my own strengths, my own gifts. I want to put my trust in the one who has gained my trust. I want to live my life and, and praise God with all of my being. I want to be used by God to allow God to use me to revive people's hearts who were headed to hell. David said in Psalm 146, praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will praise him while I have my being. But he said, put not your trust in princes and a son of man in whom there is no salvation. For when his breath departs, he returns to the earth. And on that very day, his plans perished. But blessed is he whose help is in the Lord, his God, and is whose hope is in the Lord, who is his. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for giving us a blueprint for success for giving us a clear vision on how we should be consumed with your will, how we should be consumed with your plan for our life. Thank you, Father God, for showing us in your word that life is complex and that life is fragile, that life is but a spray of Febreze, and that we will not live forever on this earth that while our souls will eternally exist either in your presence or apart from your presence, that, that we will be held accountable for how we live.
Help us to not be like these men in James's church, boasting about our plans, boasting about the future, boasting about what we can do, boasting about where we're going to go, becoming self-theists, consumed with what we want to do. Help us, Father God, to be consumed with what you want us to do, to take, take you out of a box, to take you, take the restraints off of you, take the chains off of you in our life and just say, Lord, have our way. Help us, Father God, to desire to, to go that extra mile, to not be satisfied with the normal in pursuing you, but to, to pursue you, Father God, in an extra normal way to wake up the first day of the week and say, Lord, what do you want out of my week? How can I please you this week? How can you challenge me this week? Who can you use me to help deliver this week? Help us not to put our trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation, even if that prince in our own eyes is ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray.